I'm Simon Burns. Welcome to the Net Hero podcast. And this week, a special reaction to the budget. In particular, there were two elements, I think, of the budget that really got people uh, either excited or, frankly, pissed off. And they were the investment that the Chancellor announced into carbon capture. Uh, many think that's a kind of license to continue to pollute using uh, fossil fuels and the backing investment in nuclear and the term that nuclear should be seen as sustainable. Now that's created a real buzz here. Um, you've seen it. We've had loads of stuff on social media. People are saying that's outrageous. People saying, how the hell can you call it that? Some saying this is uh, Jeremy Hunt caving into the nuclear lobby. But what does it actually mean? Is it true? Is nuclear sustainable? What, what means? What's the meaning of sustainability? And do we need it? Now, I, I'll be very clean. I've always said that um, I do believe we need nuclear. But I'm, I'm not against anything else. And I think there's plenty of other things we should explore. But there are some voices that need to be listened to. You know, fairly decent voices that are not kind of raving loonies who are saying, hang on a second, there was a big chance missed. So in this episode, I'm delighted to say I welcome back the very first, the original net hero, Caroline Longman who did our very first episode way back, oh, nearly a year and a half ago. Really. Caroline, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, Simon. How are you? Great. When we spoke, you were at the National Nuclear Laboratory. Since then, you've left and you run something called Equilibrium. What, what is that? OK, so uh, Equilibrium is a company uh, that we set up because we absolutely believe passionately that nuclear has to play a part in a net zero energy system. We believe that nuclear has a role in delivering baseload electricity, but there's a much wider role as nuclear plants get uh, smaller, more modular, uh, uh, we open up deployment options. We also open up options for nuclear energy to decarbonize sectors such as transport and industry and heat. So we've set up the company because yeah. we believe that can happen and we want we want to make that happen. So that that that's our, that's our vision is to be a catalyst for nuclear energy's role in the net zero energy system. Let's start with your reaction to the budget last week. What did what did you think when you heard what the chancellor said? Obviously we're delighted with the news. Practical perspective, nuclear's inclusion in the green taxonomy it means that you know, nuclear power is going to have the same investment initiatives as renewables, and we need to attract investment into the industry in order to accelerate its progress. So, so in terms of that, you know, that part of the budget, nuclear was also mentioned in other parts of the budget. But in terms of the the inclusion in the green taxonomy, uh, we are delighted, but feel you know this is a long time coming. We believe that nuclear is a sustainable energy source. When we look at the scale of what we need to achieve over the next twenty years. Uh, there is absolutely no doubt that we need to include nuclear alongside renewables. And, and this is recognition of that. So hopefully now, yeah. now this, this moment has passed, we can, we can move on and, and really start to develop the projects and, and attract the investment that we need to, to, to be successful. So yes, very happy, but, but <laughs> you know, long time coming. Okay, well, look, I want to explore that in a minute, but let's just go to you. Why do you believe in nuclear so much? You've been in the industry a long time. Why do you continue to support it? Why have you? Why did you go into it in the first place? And why do you believe in it in so much that it is a key part of getting to net zero? 
Okay, so I mean, I came into the nuclear industry through a, a kind of health and safety route, really. I was a radiation protection advisor, and I provided a advice on radiation protection, not just in the nuclear industry, ever, from everywhere, from car garages to x-ray equipment in airports and so on. So I came into the kind of health and safety radiation protection route. And then uh, my, my career evolved uh, to, to really focusing on interaction with government and uh, development of future nuclear technology. And that's where I really began to believe in nuclear's role in a net zero, a net zero energy system. And, and the reason I it's so important to, to, to me and, and to my colleagues in the industry is, is when you look at the scale of the problem that we're facing in front of us, we also believe in solar and, and wind and other renewables, but we, we believe that we need everything in order to tackle this problem. You know, we've burned more coal in the last 10 years than we have in the pre previous 40 years put together. And, you know, growth rates in, in solar and wind, you know, they're barely able to significantly reduce the the, the growth in coal use, let, let alone reduce its absolute use. So we're, we're really facing a, a huge problem. And, and, you know, the total use of in that period, time period in the last 20 years of energy has increased massively. And almost all of that increase been achieved through the use of fossil fuels. So despite the optimism on renewable energy, yeah, we, we, we're not making a dent and we need to we need to change that. very, very Well, that, that's, the, the renewable industry would say, well, hang on a second, we got now what i think 35 to 40 percent on average compared to where we were even at 2010 energy produced from renewables um people say the fukushima incident really put the world off nuclear power um and it stalled let's be honest you know we started energy live news in 2010 and we were expecting hinkley point to be up and running by 2016 or 2017. It's still not up and running. Um, yes. certain, certain reactors in France, uh, particularly Flamanville, still not up and running. There's a there's a whole kind of uh, plethora of things that have not worked. So how can you say actually no nuclear can, can solve it when there are so many structural issues, supply chain issues, cost, you know, the enormous cost up front to build these things that not don't seem to have really taken off okay right so just just going back to, to the beginning of what you said where the you know the global production of wind and solar has been massive there's no doubt you know for the last 20 year, uh, 20 years yeah wind and solar yeah. is growing by twenty two thousand percent um but when you link that back to primary energy so the equivalent that the amount of coal would have generated the actual increase is is, is quite a lot more modest you know, the consumption of coal is grown over 70%. Solar and wind's only grown a quarter of that. So, yes, wind and solar has grown massively, but we've got to think about the energy, primary energy it's producing and, and, and the difference it makes. So just to make that point, um, in terms of the, the, the cost of nuclear, if you look at the, I think it's the, the IEA um, report on costs across the, sorry, the International Energy Agency, on energy costs, so the levelized cost of electricity, nuclear is, is 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 in the mix alongside solar and wind, biomass and others. Uh, the problem with nuclear, of course, is the investability and the fact that these projects take a long time to build. Yeah, and that's the um, thing, isn't it? They have, and and there's no doubt that Hinkley's been delayed. And there's that kind of argue that that there's a perception there, and and it's a very real perception. You know, Hinkley is a, a big, big, huge construction project. That has undergone delays, and and the thing, Caroline, is you know, sorry to interrupt, but it it was the flagship thing, wasn't it? It was seen as 
this is the beginning of these new type of reactors and really stable power. And it's been beset by issues and budget problems. And, you know, going back, the strike price was negotiated to give it, it a boost. And it's still not there. And I suppose that's where the critics of the nuclear industry would would throw their brickbacks at you saying, look at this, you can't even get this one right. Sintinkly, there's there's an awful lot that's changed. Um, and that was some time ago. The policy has changed. There are advanced designs um, for nuclear industry that mean that these plants are much smaller and more flexible and easier to deploy. You know, look at Rolls-Royce. They're leading the way in that with their, with their uh, small modular reactor design. But even... Even even in addition to that, there's a huge number of designs that are now coming to the market, uh, which can be built much, much more quickly, can be built in off-site uh, factories, um, which may, and, and then there's the, there's, the, there's the kind of matter of repeatability. The, the, what we've done in the nuclear industry really is we've kind of built, at first, we keep building first of a kind. And what we need to do is get to the point where we're building the same design over and over. And that's when costs come down. That's when time to deployment comes down and, and, and so on. So we, you, we you have admit to there's move been off. problems. There's been problems, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but you still believe that it's still the way to go? Yeah, we have to move on from, you know, the, the we, we, we have to recognise that this is an energy source that we need in order to avoid, you know, the effects of climate change. And we have to move on. Hinkley is, is, is a massive, massive construction project. But at the end of the day, it's going to provide electricity to millions and millions of people. Um, and we have to recognise that, you know, there's the other big plant are coming offline now. And so the share of renewables on our, uh, sorry, the share of nuclear on our grid is going to reduce and reduce and reduce. And at the moment, um, we don't have a solution to replace that. So we need to identify quicker um, and more flexible ways of deploying nuclear power. And, you know, the government policy doors are at, uh, opening up to that they are yeah. um recognizing that you know it, we talk about baseload electricity and that reputation of nuclear's big yeah. project no i don't think, i don't think anyone can deny that i mean that's the one thing i've always said about nuclear is it gives you that once it's going it gives you stable power doesn't it it does absolutely and you know where where i'm at is that we have you know tw- 25% of our energy demand what we talked about here in the decarbonizing is decarbonizing electricity yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, we we, we need to decarbonise transport and, and we need to decarbonise heat and industry. And that that's, you know, that's almost entirely reliant on fossil fuels. And we, we need to find a, a way of re- replacing that. And fossil fuels are so energy dense, it's really difficult to find energy sources that can replace that on a like-for-like basis. And nuclear yeah. has that opportunity to do that. We did some, you know, looking at decarbonising the aviation sector, for example. So government have mandated 10% of a sustainable aviation fuel by, yeah. forgive me if I've got the, the year wrong, 2030, I believe. Um, I, think, and, I, think, I think that's right about right, actually. Yeah. Sure. I, um, read Future Net Zero, you'll find the figure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and, you know, you... you to decarbonise our aviation industry, you need something like sort of over 50 gigawatt of nuclear energy. And 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 when and when you sort of think of the nuclear, the, the high energy source, uh, the the high density energy source that that is nuclear, and that that that's a lot of nuclear power. That's a lot of offshore wind. That's a lot of land use. UK land use. We're a small island uh, for offshore wind and solar to to provide sustainable aviation fuel. And that's just one one sector, one mode of transport. So when you look at you know, road transport, look at the shipping industry and decarbonising the shipping industry and our homes, you know, it's a huge, 
huge percentage of our greenhouse gas emissions. How, how are we going to produce those 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 fuels? Um, you know, is that all going to be offshore wind or solar? We we need we need that mix. So we do need to address the perception of these big, ugly, massive. Uh, industrial sites, um, yeah. you know, that that take a long time to build because 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 that 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 needs to change in order to get the investment to build smaller, more flexible deployments. What, what does this mean? I mean, this was his exact words. I today confirm that the subject to consultation, nuclear power will be classed as environmentally sustainable. That's what Jeremy Hunt said last week. Mm-hmm. Now, that I suppose what he's saying there is that triggers investment, correct? Because it's now giving funders a chance to say government backs this, and it's it's sort of lighting the touch paper to. And let's be honest, not just this government, but successive governments, probably not since the seventies, have really looked at nuclear with much favour. It's been kind of well, we just do it quietly, not not let the public know. Um, what do you think this will mean? This reclassification what what does it do when you talk to your colleagues in the industry you know the nia people like that and nuclear industry association but also the people who've got jobs there right you, you told me at the beginning just before we recorded sixty-five thousand jobs directly um related to the nuclear industry by reclassifying nuclear as you know environmentally sustainable such as what does it mean we need to take the message the nuclear industry tends to kind of traditionally not interacted with other parts of the energy system. Uh, you know, this is a very broad statement, I appreciate that. But I think I think it gives us the, the remit to talk, to talk, you know, speak to other sectors in the energy system supply chain about yeah. nuclear and how nuclear can become part of that supply chain. And thus being able to, and speaking to off-takers, so those organisations that, Need that, you know, need the energy that nuclear can provide, and um, make and be able to, you know, start and and the investors, so equity investors and debt, and you know the all all the components that are required to enable and for a proposition to to, to move forward into de- rapid development phase, engineering, design, construction. So it enables us to speak with confidence outside the sector. But I still think, you know, mm-hmm. there's. In, in terms of when you have those conversations with the organisations, as you say, that do not do not support nuclear, do not believe yeah. nuclear is sustainable, that there's still a long way to go into convincing organisations that you know outside yeah. the sector that nuclear energy is sustainable. So, so you know, we 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 need to make we need to to be very clear and articulate in that argument. So, you do you think this this is now? And I kind of get what you're saying because the nuclear industry has always been bunch of boffins generally up in Cumbria most people have thought about really and it's always been slightly aside you know what we see is we see big you know we've always seen people my age power stations coal stations you can see a wind turbine you never really see about nuclear it's all secret it's all hidden there's a lot of security is this now the chance for nuclear to start talking in your view do you need to talk to it because because you're right the PR message the science is one thing, the facts are one thing, but there's a PR message which is people still think nuclear is danger. Absolutely. Um, you know, you can make, we can make the argument, we can make an evidence-based argument across, you know, s- s- sustainability, you know, health, jobs, climate change, land use, water use, 
um, and, and, and so on. Um, we can make the evidence-based arguments for nuclear really well and really successfully. But when, when it comes down to it, the, the arguments are driven from this ingrained, strong personal emotional reaction to the word nuclear. Um, you know, we, we've, we've made this mistake um, of, of putting nuclear energy in, in a lumping it all together with nuclear weapons. And, you know, we don't do the same with nuclear medicine, do we? No, we don't, it's true, we, isn't that, it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I think that there's not many people that would argue for the, you know, as to the benefit to society of nuclear medicine. But it's the same physics. And, you know, and, and, and so we really need to address this reaction to the word nuclear. And, and, and that's a very difficult thing to do because, you know, perception is still a major drive, driver behind deployment decisions for nuclear. So investment decisions or any any kind of, you know, investment decision is, is, is based on you know, the socioeconomic economics, the community representatives. But there's also a PR element, isn't it? If we invest in this, how do we look? That, that that's, that's, I suppose, a thing that... Yeah, worry about there's a perception exactly. I mean, you know, even in this age of climate emergency, 40 yeah. percent of the public is against nuclear power. Yeah, um, and and the arguments are based on perception of radiation, cost, and 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 the waste. You know, the waste. Um, so it's kind of picking up these these different um, elements of that influence people's perception and that word nuclear and and you know communicating it in a way that you know we, we, there's there's education and you know there's there's getting things into perspective and there's really kind of the, the benefits of nuclear to society you know vastly outweigh any any perceived threat there's no doubt it's a real challenge perception is one of the biggest things that is going to prevent deployment of nuclear in in, in the uk and even globally because because the, yeah. those perceptions are so hard to change because they're so ingrained what well, why um, why why are you not doing more as an industry to to break that down or do you think you are doing more i don't know <laughs> Yeah, I think I, mean, I think as I said before, you know, in 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 the past, because nuclear is this this core base load, is a it's, it's an industry itself. It's only it's only in the last two three years since you know government started including nuclear energy alongside other renewables in their decarbonisation policies. The opportunity to be able to say, well, how could go go out to industry, go out to the clusters, go out to the offtakers, and say, how can nuclear energy support what you're trying to do? And only then, that's only when that's when you start the conversation on perception and you start to address, you know, the the individuals that will come back to you and say, well, it costs it, why, you know, it's going to cost X, Y, and Z, or or yeah. you know, it's a radiation hazard, or whatever. Where are we going to put the waste? And where are we going to put the waste? Yeah, absolutely. Where, by the way, where are we going to put the waste? That <laughs> that is a good point. So so I mean, in terms of I mean, all electricity generation produces waste, whether it's it's fuel, uranium, oil, gas, yeah, solar, yeah, yeah. you know, or all produces waste. And, and and when you look at the volumes of waste. That nuclear, you know, nuclear produces per kilowatt hour of energy. It's 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 minuscule compared to the other, you know, to to, to the other uh, energy generation, you know, mechanisms. And and you know, 97 percent of of nuclear waste is is low level waste and stored in near surface repositories. So the 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 three percent is 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 very is very you know, there's only three percent is very long lived and highly radioactive. But we have the technical know how store that waste so the problem of disposing of it is a problem of perception we know exactly how to store high level waste for years and years and years and engineered the putting into place the engineering barriers and it's done elsewhere and where is, is it still buried under the ground is that the place or people talking about you know we're going to the moon to 
shoot the stuff in the moon. You know, there's some no. weird theories out there. But I assume that the, the main thing is still deep, concrete bunkers. Yeah, so the government policy is to ultimately dispose of uh, high-level waste in uh, deep geological disposal facilities, which is designed for safe underground storage for thousands of years and and the risk assessments if you you know assume future generations revert to neanderthal man etc cetera, etc cetera. so the, the the technical solution is there and 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 demonstrated but it's perceptions the reason that we're unable to find a location for these facilities it's not that we're not technically able in the uk to store and manage radioactive waste and the volume is like i mean in my, i may have this slightly not completely accurate but it's, it's around several seven double decker you know bus volumes that we've ever generated of, of, of spent fuel something like that anyway yeah. so the volume is small and ultimately radioactivity decays until that material is is no longer is no longer radioactive and it's in you know very small percentage of that waste it lasts a long time and we just need to find a way to store it until that way that radioactivity has decayed and that material is safe um well, let's give you the 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 green light all right let's give you we love you caroline we love your industry we're all now flying little radiation flags and we're saying let's go nuclear um with what the government has announced last week, realistically, where do you see uh, our nuclear industry being by, say, 2050? All right, let's give you a nice 25 odd years to get to get there. Will we have more power stations? Will we have small modular reactors? Will nuclear go local, as some people talk about, or will it still be one of these things that's drawn out in long planning? big consent issues and still mass construction. And maybe we'll have more both like power, but I, I wonder what future you see. So the, the kind of foresight on the on the futures for myself will be based on the government targets of 24 gigawatts. And that's electricity production, I believe, uh, solely electricity production. So I don't think the makeup of that 24 gigawatts is, is specified anywhere at the moment, um, but certainly it's a, a 2050 outlook, uh, a small number of gigawatt scale deployments, which will contribute significant you know percentage to the to the grid and then in addition, of course, the government government policies is, is encouraging. Um, small modular reactors, uh, the, the budget also launched a small modular reactor competition, small modular reactors come to, come to the grid, um, and, and then more advanced reactors. So there's a, a funding competition um, within government that's running right now, which will encourage advanced reactors. So for example, high temperature gas reactors, which can use and deploy heat directly to be able to drive more efficient energy production processes um so i see you know a a, a mixture of 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 large base load generation providing providing a stalwart to our electricity system um and then more flexible deployments and then potentially off-grid deployments where you could potentially have an off-grid small modular reactor or an, a, an advanced reactor runs at higher temperatures providing heat directly to decarbonize systems um and and for example manufacture aviation fuel or or, or hydrogen, you know, to, 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 to fill some of the gaps in, that we've got in our hydrogen production targets, for example. So I see that nuclear more flexible um, part in an energy system. And, and then that's where we want to get to. We want to get to that point where, you know, the, 
these plant can be can be easily and flexibly deployed. We've got repeat repeat um, deployment of the same design, so you can bring costs down and start to you know overcome some of those problems that nuclear has has had in the past. Yeah. Well, before we go, the last thing I suppose uh, to ask is you know the public who live near these plants. It's really funny when you go, and I've been. There's a perception when you're not near them that no one wants to live near them. And then there's a perception when you're actually in the villages and towns, particularly I've been up near Sellafield um, and also down near Hinckley. They're not actually that against it in a, in a lot of ways, even though they're right next to these things because of the jobs. So, again, is there an issue here of what we perceive uh, that, that people don't want it? Maybe that's mm. not as accurate as we think. No, I mean, you know, the, the communities that host um, nuclear power um, are broadly uh, supportive because it, it the nuclear builds, you know, builds it builds it builds communities. It creates jobs for for, for generations. Um, and and yeah, I mean, it's you know, for 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 decades now, nuclear industry has built communities, and often in areas of the country that where where you really need that industry. So you know, communities that live close to, to nuclear deployment understand the, the value that, that projects can bring. You know, if you don't live near a, a, a nuclear plant or you don't live near Sellafield or so on, um, you know, that I can understand that there's a perception because, you know, it's, again, it's that word nuclear and, and, and radiation and, and it's the fear of the unknown. Um, and I think we've got a lot of work to do in putting, putting that into perspective um, and, you know, looking at you know, what does it mean to live near a nuclear plant? You, you don't, you know, the, the radiation hazard is, is 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 no different to anywhere else in the, in the country, yeah. um, yeah. etc. So it's making that, you know, I, I could talk for a long time about that, but it's making that argument. And we've got a long way to go to make that argument still. I, I definitely appreciate that. Well, Caroline, you'll be uh, making some of that argument at the Big Zero show, won't you, on the 20th of June, which is great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. And I hope I get some some really good challenges. And yeah, that that, that will be fun. That will be good. No, brilliant. Well, look, thank you for today. Thanks for coming back on the Net Hero podcast. As I said, Caroline will be with us on June the 20th uh, for the Big Zero show. Make sure you get your tickets. They're free. Half, no, no, sorry, not half. A third have gone. So there's still two thirds left to get. Um, Caroline, thank you for joining me today. I think we've explored a lot of things. And for those who uh, believe in it, they'll probably believe in it. For those who are against it, they'll probably still be against it. But I'm really glad you came to explain uh, your take on things. Caroline Longman, thanks for joining us on the Net Hero Podcast. You've been listening to the Net Hero Podcast with Summit Bose from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to Net Zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.